54 holes are in the books at the 148th playing of the British Open over at Royal Port Rush in Northern Ireland. Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson were among the bigger names not to see the weekend at this weekend's tournament. And uh, as we're broadcasting to you here on the 20th of July, uh, Saturday afternoon, it has now just become final. Through 54 holes, your leader, Shane Lowry, and he is at minus 16. He's got a four-shot lead through 54 holes, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. They have moved the tee times up because the weather is supposed to be coming in really bad over the next couple of days in Northern Ireland, so they moved the tee times up two hours earlier for tomorrow. It's hopefully to beat the weather, and we'll see if Shane Lowry can hold on and win his first major championship at the 148th British Open. And the first time the, the, uh, uh, the country of Northern Ireland has hosted the British Open since 1951. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And remember, last time we got together, I thought a lot of the reason why that they were going back to Royal Port Rush after, since 19, for, the, for the first time since 1951, was because of Rory McIlroy. And sure, you know, Rory had something to do with that, for damn sure. But then Rory starts off Thursday and takes eight on the first hole. And he pretty much kicked himself right out of the tournament there. He missed the he missed the cut by one shot. Rory had 79 and then came back on Friday with 65. Still missed by one. Too bad there. Tiger just was never involved over the weekend or over the... He was never even close to making the cut. Phil, same thing. But it'll be interesting to see. One name that was really interesting on the leaderboard until late in the third round on Saturday was Lee Westwood, the 46-year-old Englishman who has made 81 career major championship tournament starts, has never won a major championship. And he was right there, but uh, obviously Lee Westwood fell off on the back nine and he is not even on the first page of the leaderboard anymore, which again is now number one with a four-shot lead going into Sunday's play. Shane Lowry from Northern Ireland at minus 16 is your leader and still lurking around. And if he could make a putt, Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka was hitting the ball extremely well today. I watched him for a lot of holes today, but could not make a putt to save his ass. As we welcome you to this 300 and 68th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. Um, a lot of things to talk about. We want to get into a little National Football League talk as some teams will open training camps as early as Monday of this week. And we are 48 days until Packers-Bears open the season, Thursday night football, Soldier Field in Chicago. I cannot wait. Also on this date, I know Chris and I are not the biggest baseball fans in the world, but I get so pissed off every time I see that I even hear the name Barry Bonds because Barry Bonds was the epitome of guys cheating the game of baseball at the end of their careers in the early 2000s when Barry Bonds went from a 185-pound weakling to a 235-pound Hulkamaniac. And you can see why he hit the ball a goddamn country mile because he was juicing. But on this date, and I just I had to mention this when I saw it today on my computer. On this date, July twentieth, nineteen seventy-six, the real 
Major League Baseball leader in home runs hit. Hammerin' Hank Aaron hit his 755th and final Major League home run in Milwaukee on this date many, many years ago. That would be what? Oh, that's 43 years ago. 43 years ago. Henry Aaron hit his last Major League home run. It was his 755th and final Major League home run in front of about only 10,000 fans in Milwaukee that day. He was playing designated hitter for the Brewers that day. That was the last Major League home run. And that is the number that any baseball purist or any baseball traditionalist should know as the true number as the ultimate and the all-time leading home run hitter is not 762 by Barry Bonds. Uh Uh-uh. It's 755 from Henry Hank Aaron because A, and there is no B, C, D, or E. A is it. Henry Aaron never cheated. Barry Bonds has been cheating since day one. Screw him. Um, Also, before we get into a topic about the National Football League, I do want to send congratulations to the six newest members of the Baseball Hall of Fame who will be uh, inducted into the uh, Cooperstown Hall of Fame on Sunday uh, out there in western New York. Mariano Rivera, Mike Mussina, Roy Halladay, Edgar Martinez, Lee Smith, and Harold Baines. Congratulations to the six newest members of the Baseball Hall of Fame. We are not big baseball fans here, but all six of these guys, um, to be included into the Baseball Hall of Fame, obviously did something right. Mariano Rivero, the greatest closer of all time. Mike Mussina, lots of 20-win seasons with both the Yankees and the Baltimore Orioles during his day. Unfortunately, Roy Halladay passed a couple of years ago, but unbelievable member uh, as a pitcher for both the Toronto Blue Jays and then won a World Series for the Philadelphia Phillies. Edgar Martinez, a hitting machine during his career with the Seattle Mariners. And what about Lee Smith and Harold Baines? The all-time leader leading, the guy that's got the most saves in Major League Baseball history is one Lee Smith. He accumulated most of those as he was a relief pitcher for the Chicago Cubs back in the day and Harold Baines who really nobody really knew that much about but all he did was well over 3,000 hits a career batting average well over 300 as an unbelievable part-time outfielder and designated hitter for the Chicago White Sox and then later on his career with the New York Yankees Harold Baines a quiet superstar but very deserving to be in this group So I send my congratulations to those six individuals who will be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame on Sunday afternoon in Cooperstown, New York. What I want to talk about and get Chris involved in here on this 368th episode of Unscripted, I'm getting excited. Packers Packers, uh, report in four days. The Matt LaFleur era starts in Green Bay. And um, I want to know... And I want to talk about this. We've seen a lot of movement. You've seen what the Cleveland Browns have done this year and all the guys that they've brought in. My God, Cleveland is loaded. Now, will they be able to mesh all of those talents together? I don't know. We'll see. Freddie Kitchens is going to have one hell of a job as the first-year head coach of the Cleveland Browns. He seems suited for it, but, man, he's going to have to deal with a lot of attitudes on that team. I mean, look at the wide receiver core. Jarvis Landry and... uh, 
our friend Odell from Beckham. New York, Ordell Beckham. Yeah. I mean, there's no attitude there. The LSU twins. Yeah, the LSU twins. Exactly right. But uh, Cleveland has obviously improved themselves to the point that I think that it's fair to say that Cleveland should be the favored team to win the AFC North division title this year. I really believe that. Pittsburgh is not the same. Baltimore is not the same. Baltimore has got a crappy quarterback. They still got a fair to Midland defense, but then why did they let half of their defense go via free agency in Baltimore? Good question there. I think Cleveland is the team to beat in the AFC South. Excuse me, in the AFC North. Excuse me. AFC South, I see it as the Indianapolis Colts. Neither, neither, neither Chris or I felt that there were enough free agents that took advantage of the opportunity in Indianapolis, but screw you. You made the mistake. Frank Reich has built a winner there. They've got an Oliver Luck that's healthy again. Andrew Luck. And whatever. His dad is Oliver. Andrew Luck. Um, his dad is the commissioner of the XFL, by the way. So if things don't go well in Indy, I suppose Oliver could find his, or uh, Andrew could find his way over to the XFL if he had to. Um, but I, I think Indianapolis is the team to beat in the AFC South. But I want to get Chris's feet on this too, because this is, for me, this is a really exciting time of the year for the simple fact that everybody here now, everybody, even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Jacksonville Jaguars are considered Super Bowl contenders right now because everybody is zero and zero. Everybody's got enthusiasm. Everybody thinks that they've got the right combination. Everybody's got the right new system. They've all hired the right new coaches. They've gotten rid of the crap. They brought in good coaches. This is the time of the year where everybody should be excited. This is where Bears, Vikings, Packers, and Lions fans can all get together and not kill each other for at least 15 minutes. You get to the 16th minute, they're probably good as dead, but you know what I'm saying. This is the exciting time of the year where teams, I mean, the Washington Redskins really believe that they have a chance to win the NFC East this year. They don't. It's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles if they get a full year out of Carson Wentz. But um, I like this time of the year because now everybody thinks that they are on their way to at least the postseason. We know only 16 teams can make it, but this is the fun time of the year because everybody's 0-0. Nobody's out starting 0-10. Nobody's sucking big you-know-whats right now. Everybody is 0-0. Everybody is is excited. Sean McVay says, I was listening to Sean McVay. He did an interview on KTLA in Los Angeles last night. And I listened to it and he says, Todd Gurley is ready to go. He's a hundred percent healthy. Was he not healthy last year? Or why didn't you play him in the Super Bowl? I, I don't know, but I want to talk about the teams that have improved themselves this year in the national football league. And I'm going to start and I'll start right here with one team that you won't believe that's going to come out of my mouth, but I think that a team that's gotten better since last year, and that's the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots have, I don't know how they've done it, but they had an unbelievably good draft from the 30th or 32nd position, whatever it was, the last position. They had some good quality free agent pickups. Belichick just keeps doing it, folks. And if you're the Miami Dolphins, the New York Jets, or the Buffalo Bills, you're going to be waiting another year. Um, some of your thoughts, sir, on some of the things that you've seen so far this year 
in the offseason in the NFL as we get ready for these teams to start reporting, to start sweating in NFL training camps near you. Well, the New England Patriots drafted N. Keel Harry 32nd yes. overall, and I was looking up some local reports of some of the teams yesterday, and apparently he has looked really bad. Really? Yes, and Ooh. he was very highly touted, thought, yeah. oh, this is perfect for him. And who knows, maybe Brady will throw him open or something. Right. But apparently he has looked really, really bad. So mm-hmm. that's not good. Sony Michelle Sony Michelle has been missing and even the even the local New England reporters don't know why he's out. Like no it's a mystery. So there's some weird stuff going on. Uh, I saw somebody the other day that I trust said that there is uh, now a up to now a forty percent chance that Gronk comes back. Oh, I'm thinking Gronk's. And I know he's probably getting bored. And maybe he hasn't magically become a movie star <laughs> and all this other stuff. You know, it's just you know because he thinks he can just do anything. I right. guess. But anyway, so I'm pretty sick of the Patriots. Brady will be forty two yep. this season, so I'm hoping we get some regression. But who knows? Anyway. Uh, one de- one team that I do like is the in the AFC South is the Indianapolis Colts. I think they could win the Super Bowl this year with the most cap space in the league. However, that happens, I don't know. But at least Justin Houston did take advantage of all the cap space. Two years, twelve million a year. I don't know if he's still the same Justin Houston, but he's probably better than a bag of footballs. So, <laughs> so that's good at least. But you also mentioned the AFC North and how it's definitely. Cleveland, and I would say Pittsburgh as well, would be the two that could win that division, whereas Baltimore and Cincy cannot. And Cincinnati, I was already feeling really bad this year, but just in the last couple weeks here, we've seen Jonah Williams, their first-round pick. Mm -hmm. He's out for the year. That's right. Their offensive lineman. And one of their guards, Clint Bowling, just retired out of nowhere. So besides those two... The only good offensive lineman on the Cincinnati Bengals roster is Cordy Glenn, right. who they got for from Buffalo. Yeah, they traded down a bit from I think twelve to twenty-one uh, a year ago, a year and a bit to uh, get Cordy Glenn. And the problem is he's great when he plays, when he's healthy, but he's hardly ever healthy. Right. He never plays a full season, so I mean, I don't think he's good for more than a few games. And then you could easily make the case that the Cincinnati Bengals have the worst offensive line in the league and ask whoever you want. Like if you look at last year, look at the teams like Houston, Arizona teams with terrible offensive lines, never do much. It just, it just doesn't happen. Even if you're not relying on a star quarterback, like Indy or like green Bay, you still need a great offensive line, no matter how your team's constructed. That's just an essential part. And that's all there is to it. So the Cincinnati Bengals are, yeah. I mean, and they've got such really, they've got such great position players. They've got some great monsters on defense. Mm-hmm. They've still got Dalton and AJ Green and Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard. Like, they've got some great stuff, but it all falls apart with the worst O line in the league. You just can't overcome that. It's just, it's just not something you can do. Uh, just a few quick hits on signings here. Uh, the Eagles have brought back little Darren Sproles, one of my, my, one of my wife's favorite players, uh, for a year, just because their second-round pick, Miles Sanders, he's been having some hamstring issues already. And so, uh, I, I mean, they want him to be the, kind of the bell cow, although they did also sign Jordan Howard, who has oh, yeah. been, who's been yeah. a bell cow in the past, of course, right? Mm-hmm. So there's that. And uh, I, I like what the Falcons are doing. They brought back Dion Jones, their linebacker, uh, four more years, $57 million, because without him, they don't seem to tackle too much. And they also brought back Grady Jarrett, who I have to say, in that ridiculous 
complete choke fest against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I'm telling you right now, and I, I know they don't give it to defensive players usually, but in my opinion, if Atlanta doesn't blow that game, Grady Jarrett wins Super Bowl MVP. He was a monster and a beast in that game, and he's really, really good. So the Falcons looking very interesting this year. Uh, the 49ers re-signed Robbie Gold, two years, $10 million. Normally, I don't like spending too much on kickers. Not that that contract's ridiculous, but Robbie Gold is one of the yeah. most accurate kickers in history. Like if it's for him or like a Justin Tucker or something, I get it. And so that's okay too. Uh, but see, on the other side of the coin, you've got the Chiefs re-signing their kicker, Harrison Butker, four years, $20 million. Totally unnecessary. Don't get that. And uh, in terms of other recent ones that I don't think really talked about too much, uh, Bills re-signed Jerry Hughes. The Buffalo Bills will be interesting this year. Yeah. Maybe have the best draft of any team. I, uh, but And they've got some nice pieces. Josh Allen now. Uh, it just It's really hard to know what's going to happen because uh, the, the Dolphins are going to suck. But the Bills and the Jets could both be surprisingly good this year. Mm-hmm. Or they could be the same old Bills and Jets. It's really hard to tell. I expect both to put up a fight. Uh, I, it's Who knows? Maybe this is the year the Patriots finally look shaky partly because the Bills and Jets are better than usual, and maybe it's the same old shit. Who knows? But that's kind of what's going around or uh, going on around the NFL, but I know you also wanted to talk about someone from the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, yeah. Um, I have been quite um, vociferous on this one um, because news came out a couple of weeks ago, if you remember when we were on doing Unscripted, we were talking about uh, that the Chiefs were talking about a contract extension for Tyreek Hill, and I didn't think that was proper until they got his his child abuse investigation concluded and with a positive result. And it seems that they have done that as the NFL has announced that they won't suspend Chiefs wide receiver Tyreek Hill after investigation into the child abuse claims, which ultimately led to his three-year-old son having his arm broken. And uh, I'm not going to... I'm not going to talk about how that potentially happened, but um, seemingly it's been put behind and it's satisfied the the powers that be in the National Football League. It powered the Hunt family, which owns the Kansas City Chiefs organization. So I would think now would be a time that the National Foot, or excuse me, that the Kansas City Chiefs could talk about a contract extension with Tyreek Hill because now that his legal matters seemingly have been put behind him but I thought that that should have been put on hold. Any talk about a contract extension should have been put on hold until the investigation was concluded. It has been concluded, so now let's go ahead and uh, talk about a contract extension for him. This this guy is one of the most... He is one of the most exciting players in the National Football League. There's no question about it. When the Chiefs found out that the investigation is over and uh, you know everything is, is now done, if you will. They were very excited. Uh, the big tight end, uh, uh, Selleck, I think his name is, isn't it? For, for Kansas City, it's Travis Kelsey. Kelsey, right. I'm close. Anyway, but he was, he was all excited that now Tyreek Hill can come back and, and worry just about playing football again, and, and that's really good. But um, ultimately, I think that... Um, we should not be talking about contract extensions until, you know, if there is, a, you know, in this kind of situation where this is kind of, you know, hanging over the guy's head. Let's get through this. 
Let's get through the investigation. They've done that. And so now I think it would be good enough. You know, now would be a, a, a proper time to sit down and have a conversation with uh, Hill and his representatives about moving forward with a contract extension with the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to throw something at you a little bit differently in regard to moving forward the National Football League. I have just come up with three things that I think um, that I'm looking forward to. And uh, these are the things that I think are going to be prevalent. In, in And all I'm going to do is I'm going to give out awards already. I think the coach of the year for this upcoming season, if everything goes right, obviously everything has to go right. This is why it's called a guess, folks. In July, it's a guess. If I'm right in January, then I knew something, right? But I think the coach of the year this year is going to be the coach of the Indianapolis Colts. I really believe that Frank Reich is going to be the coach of the year. Um, in this day and age, folks, last year, if you remember, they got off to the slow start. Um, Frank Reich wasn't originally, of course, supposed to be the coach last year. It was supposed to be Josh McDaniels. He backed out. At the last minute, they were fortunate enough to get the Eagles offensive coordinator to come in and do one hell of a job with the Indianapolis Colts. And then, once they got, up, once they got through the slow start, they won like 11 games in a row, and they were the team to beat. And um, I think they can take that level to another level of success this upcoming season. And I think that your coach of the year potentially could be the coach of the Indianapolis Colts. I also believe this year, if he stays healthy, I think your defensive player of the year is going to be Joey Bosa of the Los Angeles Chargers. I really believe that, folks. If he can get over these goddamn, he's, he always seems to have hamstring and, and groin problems, but whatever it is, if he can stay healthy and on the field, him and Melvin Ingram, what a couple of unbelievable defensive ends that they have out there with the Los Angeles Chargers. But I believe defensive player of the year could be Joey Bosa. And I think the offensive player of the year, here we go. Really going on a limb with this one. <laughs> I know this is going to be. No, you don't. I don't? Nope. Really? Nope, nope. nope. Same team, but not the same player. I believe the offensive player this year with a new system and a new quarterback, basically, in regard to Aaron Rodgers, I think the offensive player of the year this year in the National Football League is going to be one, Devontae Adams. I think that Devontae Adams is intertwined, obviously, with, with Aaron Rodgers. We have a lot of young receivers on the Green Bay team that are getting better, but we don't have anybody, the skill or the anything of a Devonte Adams. And I think Devonte Adams came up one catch short last year of overtaking the all time Packers single season record. And I think this year he gets it. And I think because he is going to be asked to do so much this year for the green Bay Packers offensively. Now you're going to have Jimmy Graham there and you're going to have a couple other things obviously going on there. But I think that if Devonte Adams can stay healthy with a rejuvenated Aaron Rodgers, he seems to be rejuvenated with the new coaching change and you get rid of the stale old bullshit with Mike McCarthy and you bring in the new ideas of Matt LaFleur, the new head coach of the Green Bay Packers. I believe the offensive player of the year is going to be Devontae Adams of the Green Bay Packers. 
I really like those picks overall. Thank I love you. I love the Frank Reich pick for Coach of the Year. I think that's really smart. I, I love, love, love the Colts this year in every way. Uh, I really like Bosa. That's a great pick for Defensive Player of the Year. His biggest injury, his main injury that bothered him last year was actually a bruised foot. So it's a good thing that the New Orleans doctors weren't diagnosing <laughs> that. <laughs> they would have like said he was deaf and started teaching him sign language or something. If they would have got a hold of that one. Anyway, the, the issue with Devontae Adams for me, and I think he is great, but I think that pretty much no matter how well he does, I feel like the media would give Aaron Rodgers more credit than Devontae Adams. And so, and for that reason, I would have a hard time seeing him actually win it. Also, in addition to that, Aaron Rodgers has said that Marquez Valdez-Scantling, MVS, uh, has looked excellent this spring, had a really good spring, has looked uh, much better than last year. So it looks like he'll be the number two wide out on the side, down mm-hmm. the sideline. You're right. And yep. it sounds like Geronimo, Geronimo Ellison has locked the up slot. the slot receiver mm-hmm. position. So I think Aaron will really spread the ball around mm-hmm. well. And so, I, I, you know, I think Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones reported to camp with 5.3% body fat. So Aaron Jones is working hard and looking really good. So I think there's going to be a really dynamic offense like you would expect from an Aaron Rodgers-led offense. And really, the Packers, because of that one day where they signed those three great defensive players, uh, and they had an okay draft, and they got some guys from the last draft starting to emerge, all of a sudden, the Green Bay Packers are not just Aaron Rodgers. They are actually one of the more solid rosters up and down the lineup on both sides of the ball in the NFL. And if Aaron Rodgers stays healthy, and I know we say that every year, but because it's true, like even on a terrible team, Aaron Rodgers healthy can take you places. But if he on one of the most solid rosters in the NFL suddenly is healthy, then you watch out. The Green Bay Packers could win the Super Bowl this year. If you get 16 games and unlimited playoff games out of Aaron Rodgers, there's no reason they can't go really, really far, if not all the way. But uh, with the Tyreek Hill thing, what was interesting is this is not just the NFL being lazy or not feeling like disciplining a star. There was literally nothing to discipline him for. It came out when they looked at it that it sounded like Tyreek Hill's woman was trying to set him up for a fall, essentially. Mm. And so they had released part of that recording. Apparently, the police listened to the whole recording. And even listened to the whole recording, he was totally innocent. There was just a small part that was made to make him look guilty. In addition to that, he had originally gotten in trouble for hitting, allegedly, this woman. Turned out that was completely made up. He never hit her. He never broke his kid's arm. He never did anything. It was just all a big smear campaign. And it was all complete bullshit. Well, that's good. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. So the cops were like, this is complete bullshit there is nothing here there's nothing that this is over we're done so anyway but what i thought was interesting and i was going to save this for free forum friday but uh they're still making madden video games so mm-hmm. madden 20 is coming out here yep. so i've got their top 12 players so the highest rating they can give a player is 99 they don't give anybody 100 they can rate them 99 so this year four players got 99 three of them were defensive and one's a wide receiver so i wanted to just uh have you to make some guesses here uh, so who do you think, and it's not Tyreek Hill, who do you think is the wide receiver that got 99? And I want to say, first of all, I completely agree with this. This, If I had to give one receiver in the NFL for pure skill, 99, I would absolutely give it to this guy. I think this is the hardest guy in the NFL to cover. I think this is the most talented guy. I think he has the best hands. Uh, there's no one else I would rather. And the nice thing with him, too, is that he's one of the only ones who has proven it doesn't matter who the fuck his quarterback is, he's going to look awesome. So... I 100% agree with this. Who do you think was the wide receiver in the NFL who got a 99 rating in Madden 20? Hmm. AFC or NFC? AFC. Hmm. 
guy that got a 99 rating on Madden. Which is the most you can get. Right. Um, Antonio Brown of the Oakland Raiders. It's a great guess. Uh, He got, he was one of the three guys with, and the only receiver with 98. That wasn't bad then. So good guess. Yeah. Good guess. Or no, sorry, pardon me. That's not, there were, sorry, there were two receivers who got 98, Antonio and another guy. So besides Antonio Brown, besides Tyreek Hill and all this, uh, there's two guys that come to mind when you say top receiver in the league. How about the guy from uh, Houston? DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. There is, that is the last guy I'd ever want to cover because I right. couldn't do shit. Right? That's right. Okay. Um, and then, of course, also at 98 was uh, Julio Jones of, of the Atlanta Falcons. Uh. Uh, the other 98, by the way, was Luke Keekley, who I love. Oh, yeah. I love him. Yeah. But anyway, so the three... Okay, let's try this now. The three defensive players who got 99. One of them, I think, is tough, but I agree with it still. Because I agree with all four 99s. I think they're great. But there should be two defensive players in the NFL that really come to mind when you say, like, 99. Like, who comes to mind right away? Von Miller. Uh, no, but uh, that's a, that, he's close. But um, uh, no, but... Uh, Two two really big dudes. Really big dudes who come in who come to mind. Hmm. Really big. Well, dudes. defensive player of the year would be a good place to start. Oh, okay. Defensive player of the year went to the Super Bowl, didn't win it. Aaron Donald. Yes, Aaron Donald. Yeah. And and the other guy. Aaron Donald. Yeah. The other guy. The Green Bay Packers came out this week and said they were quote very aggressive in pursuing this guy. But Khalil the, Mack. Of course. Yeah. There you go. And then the other one. I don't know if you get, but a linebacker who's actually quite underrated. One of only, I don't know if KJ Wright is still there or not. Uh, one of only two or three guys left from the from the Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl team with Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner, amazing, amazing. Anyway, and then I won't I won't make you guess on the five. There were five guys that got ninety seven, and this is like a who's who of who does Mike Jansen like in the NFL. How do you like these five guys? Because I know I think you you for sure love at least three of these guys, if not all five. Right. So the five guys that got ninety seven in Madden. David Bakhtiari. Love him. Best left tackle in the game. Yeah. Todd Gurley. Love him. Yeah. Best running back in the game. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Best. Mm, one of the two best quarterbacks in the league. Sure. Vaughn Miller. Best defensive player in the league, in and, my opinion. And Wisconsin's own J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt. Yeah, that I, I saw that list and I'm like, this is like that's the Mike my Jansen. La- that's my list right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, so I, I have to say I agree with every single one of these ratings. I mean, you could, you if you want to make the case that like any of the 98s or 97s should be a right. 99, fine. But I mean, I really agree with every single one of these. I'm actually quite impressed. Yeah. I like they, the, the fact that they actually put back Tiari there as the top O lineman. I'm, I'm actually surprised that they realized that. Yeah. Because he's, he's not a big name. Like nope. if, if you're someone who is a big Packer fan or if you really study, you know, who the top O linemen are, which most even fantasy football players don't study because there's no fantasy that I know of where Correct. you have to draft O linemen. Uh, but I mean, you know, if you study it, you know that he's probably the top, uh, especially for uh, pass blocking. Right. Uh, oh, he's yeah. top, probably the top O-lineman in the league at, at left tackle, the toughest position. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and plus, he doesn't get credit, too, because Aaron Rodgers is very mobile. Right. Right. So then that makes it, oh, well, he's just running around and he wouldn't have to run around if they blocked him. Well, you know? and here's the thing that people don't realize about David Bakhtiari is here's a fourth round draft boy out of the University of Colorado. And um, kind of even, you know, when Ted Thompson took him in 2013, kind of off the radar kind of thing. But uh, what a draft pick. I mean, I think, you know, Ted Thompson is given a lot of credit for obviously the drafting of Aaron Rodgers. 
But the two best draft picks that Ted Thompson ever made were quite simply Aaron Rodgers and then David Bakhtiari. I mean, that was an unbelievable choice. And what a steal to get a guy of that caliber and that quality in the fourth round. That tells you right there that there is quality in every round of the NFL draft. And, oh, is there ever, you know, yeah. there's obviously the big names that are always at number, you know, in, in the first round. But man, there are some there are some really, really good football players in later rounds, too, in the National Well, football. look at all the great players who were undrafted. Yeah. Right. Like Tony right. Romo and oh, yeah. just, there's there's tons of them. And speaking of the Packers here, there's a, there's a nice picture. I'm not I'm not big on kids or anything. I'm not really a sucker for kids. But Rashawn Gary took a picture of a little kid dressed as uh, Coach Lombardi, and I actually thought it was—I don't know if you can see that, but I thought oh, yeah. I thought that was pretty cute. That is cute. <laughs> you got me, kid. Yeah. You got me. That is cute. Yeah, there is no question. And the Packers have drafted that guy. I read actually this morning that the Packers did try very hard to try to get Khalil Mack, but ultimately what happened there was that the Bears took what they thought would be the higher draft choices what they would get from Chicago versus what they thought they would get from Green Bay. Nobody saw a crappy season like Green Bay just had. No one saw that coming. And I think that ultimately was the reason that the Raiders went with the Bears simply because the Bears' draft picks would have been higher. And I don't think, Chris, in reality, I really don't believe that the Packers could have afforded both Aaron Rodgers on a mega quarterback contract and could they have afforded... Khalil Mack on a mega contract. I don't think they could have done that. I really don't. Because they paid they paid Rodgers 134 million as you know, and the Bears ended up paying Khalil Mack 141 million, and I don't think the Packers could have afforded both of them. Well, I feel like where there's a will there's a way because Well, sure there is. I, I, because right. the team that had the least cap space at the time of that trade was the Los Angeles Rams. Mm-hmm. They had literally 100 grand. That's right. In cap space, and they That's went right. hard for Cleo Mack. That's right. So clearly, they—I mean, you have to get rid of some guys. But uh, where there is a will, there is a way. You look at the Lakers. Can just you imagine getting rid of the whole team to get try and get three players? Can you imagine Khalil Mack on the Rams with Aaron Donald? With Aaron Donald, and Sue was there at the time. And Sue was there at the time, and Brockers was there at the time, and um, wow. You know, this really bothers me as we get closer to July 24th and the opening of training camps for most National Football League teams. But, you know, Hairdo is going to go out there and he's going to get under a defensive coordinator. And there are there are no you know what? There are. There are defensive coordinators and then there are guys like Wade Phillips and Wade Phillips, in my opinion, is above and beyond all of them. You put hair shampoo boy out there in Los Angeles with Wade Phillips, and I'm telling you, Wade uh, Wade Phillips is going to make Matthews the third look like 2009. Really, you think so? Oh, I do. Can't believe you're saying that. I, it, it's hard for me to say that, but I know the Packers needed to make a change. They needed to get off of him. He's he's now more of a situational pass rusher where he comes in on third downs and obvious pass situations. I get that. But the and the Packers have restocked very well with Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary, the number one draft pick out of Michigan, and yada yada yada. 
But I'm telling you, this is going to just burn Packer fans this year. It's going to be very difficult. And I'm telling you, I'm sympathizing with you right now out there, Packer fans. When you watch 52 in the blue and gold this year of the Los Angeles Rams, he's going to be a difference maker. Because he's only going to have to play certain downs. He's not going to be out there full time. You know that. He doesn't play the run for shit. But when you get an obvious pass situation, they put him in and stunt him or do whatever. And I'm telling you, Wade Phillips is going to make is going to make uh, Clay Matthews the third look like a star again. Interesting shampoo boy. It's, well, it, we've got it on record now, there, guys. Uh, Mike Jansen's love of Wade Phillips somehow supersedes his hatred of shampoo boy. Correct. Clay Matthews. I have is, so much wow. respect for Wade Math uh, for for Wade Ma- for Wade Phillips. Excuse me. I can't believe how talented he is. I still to this day can't believe that Mr. Bolin, before he died, God rest his soul and send our prayers up there to Pat Bolin. But um, I can't believe that the Denver Broncos let him go. I still to this day cannot believe. Oh, well, when you hire someone with the amazing... Well, that's Elway's fault. Elway's a moron. Well, I know, but but when you're so much of a moron that... You have to hire some unknown named Vance Joseph, mm-hmm. and he can't get along with Wade Phillips, who Wade Phillips is not only an amazing defensive coordinator, but by all accounts is a great guy. Correct. By his, his peers, players, people. Like, I mean, you have guys like, you have uh, Aqib Talib coming to L.A. just to play for the guy. Right. Right? I right. mean, people love it. He's a player's coach, He's he, but he's tough on you. It's not like he's just slack and, like... He's awesome. He's got great personality. He's got a really interesting Twitter account at 70-some years old. I got to tell you a call I got this week. I was in the hospital on Tuesday, and um, I got a call from a buddy of mine that I used to use 100 years ago in the radio business. And he was giving me the ins and outs. I don't know if you know this or you heard this, and if you have, then just tell me to shut up, and I'll just shut up. But Clay Matthews went to the Packers. After he had gotten a offer from the Rams, he went back to Gutekunst and said, is there any possibility that you guys can at least match this, what I've just gotten from the Rams? Because I really would like to finish my career in one place. Gutekunst didn't even return the phone call. Wow. What are your thoughts on that? I, you know, I, I think it had to happen. I think you needed a clean break. Um, no, the not returning the phone call. I think he should have returned the phone call, for Christ's sake. I mean... Yeah, definitely. You can... you can And you can look at Clay Matthews's 10 years in Green Bay the way that I look at Clay Matthews's 10 years in Green Bay, and you can say that there were a lot of highs and there were some lows with the injuries, especially with the seemingly every year with the hamstring problems, there was always something. But I just think that Clay Matthews brought an identity to the Packers defense. He was a main uh, a main reason that the Packers won Super Bowl forty five back in 2010. Um, and I think that at the very least, Brian Gutekunst should have called him back and thanked him yeah. for what he has done for the Packers organization and what he has done for Packer Nation in general. And yes, there were some there were some rocky times. There's no question about it. And when he's, you know, when he's hurt and he's combing his hair on the sidelines and doing all this stupid silly shit. But 
I'll tell you one thing. 52 brought an identity to Green Bay. He brought he brought a passion to Green Bay. And, you know, he maybe never eclipsed what he did the first couple of years. The first couple of years in Green Bay, he was unbelievable. And what he did and how fast he was and, and, and you know, two-time All-Pro and all this other stuff. But he could never match that. I get that. But I think at the very least, Brian Gutekunst probably at the very least, deserve to return the phone call to Clay Matthews and say, thank you, but at this time, we're going another way. Yeah, Brian, don't act like a 14-year-old girl on a dating right. app. don't act like a dick. Yeah, I, I return a call. But I know we got to get out of here, and I've really enjoyed this NFL uh, episode here, but I did, I don't know if you saw this because it just broke today, but I uh, just want to get your thoughts. In Wisconsin sports news, free agent Kyle Korver has agreed to a one-year deal with the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks are going to the NBA Finals next year, folks, and we're going to do it with, um, yes, we lost Malcolm Brogdon, and I'm not real happy about that, but um, we still have Giannis for one more year at least, and hopefully he resigns long term, but we've brought enough mix and match with shooters. Um, we've replaced Malcolm Brogdon with Wesley Matthews. We brought in Kyle Korver now, who is over 46% from the three-point line in his career. So obviously that's going to help. I think it obviously in the East comes down to Milwaukee and Philadelphia, and they'll be playing one of the L.A. teams next year in the NBA Finals is the way I see it. We've got a run on this 368th episode of Unscripted. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, it's amazing what Chris and I can do when we just scooby-doo along. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Um we thank you, as always, for joining us and hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.